0: following message is presented by Fellowship Bible Church from its weekly pulpit ministry. We offer an expositional study through entire books of the Bible, one verse, paragraph, or chapter at a time. We pray that you'll be blessed by listening in. Thanks for visiting. All right. Good evening, everyone. I want to welcome you to service tonight. Our scripture reading tonight is in Isaiah 53. If you would turn your Bible there, Isaiah 53... As you know, we've been traversing through Isaiah, and as one of the longer books in Scripture, it's taken us a good deal of time to get up to this point, but here we are. Remember, since 2008, we've been reading Scripture together. We started in the book of Romans, and we've completed the New Testament, and we have a little ways to go in the Old Testament, but we're reading together all of Scripture, so it's been enjoyable. This is a familiar chapter, but here again the word of the Lord. Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness, and when we see him there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. and made intercession for the transgressors. May God bless that reading of his word this evening. We are delighted to have Brother Tom Gibbons with us tonight and Debbie as well, if she's available. We are looking forward to hear from them. Tom, so glad that you could join us this evening. Thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to do that.
1: Well, you are very, very welcome, Matt. And uh, our greetings to all of you tonight. Welcome to our home. We're looking into your church, and you're looking into our dining room. Well, you're probably looking at the ceiling, but nonetheless, we're glad that you are with us, and we're glad to be with you. And I'm going to let Debbie give a word of greeting.
2: Just hello. It's good to see you. wish we could be there in person, but this is nice as well.
1: So Pastor Matt contacted me quite a while back and asked me if I would would be willing to share with you this evening. And, of course, that is a delight for Debbie and I. And I would like to say uh, thank you very much for praying for the Gibbons, for praying for the GMSA, for the ministries that are represented, for... other GMSA missionaries, and and for other missionaries that you support that we don't even know. We very much appreciate your love for missions and your concern for uh, God's word being preached around the world. And we also thank you for your support. It means a lot to us to have you standing with us. And it certainly does not go unnoticed as we live our lives here in South Florida and serve the Lord. And uh, we just want to say thank you for that. I would like to give you kind of a comprehensive update tonight. Um, you know, from from where we sit, we have so much information. and and when, you know when I say information, I, I'm thinking of specific things that have occurred that are of great blessing, and uh, we certainly couldn't share all of them with you tonight. We have all uh, been uh, down this journey together of COVID-19, and uh, certainly we don't want to make that the topic of our night, but we want to give honor to the Lord and thanksgiving to him because COVID-19 has not stopped. Christ from building his church, and the ministry has gone on, perhaps not in the ways as it had gone on before, but nonetheless, God's work has been done, and uh, great things are happening, exciting things are happening. In fact, uh, people are getting saved, people are getting baptized, people are being discipled, churches are being established, Right in the midst of all that is going on, Uh, we have heard very few stories of missionaries who have been discouraged because of COVID-19 and have left the field or not been permitted to stay in their host country. I know there have been some cases like that, but those certainly have not been our case or the case of any of our missionaries. And we have great reason to rejoice here in, in the US, is as you can imagine, uh, we, for a significant period of time, were very much limited to, uh, in, in terms of our travel, our ability to represent the mission, to be in Bible colleges, to be in churches, primarily here in the Eastern United States. Um, and that changed after the first of the year, we had uh, more opportunity to be able to travel. But we had another event here in the office that hindered that, and that was the retirement of Jane and Raul Vichalva, who worked in our U.S. office for nearly 19 years. Uh, During 19 years, Jane was our bookkeeper, and during uh, uh, 12 years, her husband Raul was our business manager, and they worked very faithfully and were very loyal to the, the GMSA and our mission family, And in September of last year, they met with us and shared with us that they would be resigning their positions um, primarily because uh, Jane, who we never wanted to retire, was um, approaching 68 years of age. And as we can understand, she just simply wanted to retire, but uh, not retirement for the purpose of sitting at home but for the purpose of bringing her 91-year-old mother down to Fort Lauderdale and caring for her the last years of her life. So uh, that uh, that was the news that we received in late September, and for different reasons, that whole situation necessitated Raul's resignation, and Raul has gone back into secular work for his last years before his retirement, Uh, Jane's mother came in March, and they've settled in. They live in an apartment not too terribly far away. Uh, But Debbie and I found ourselves alone in the office, and uh, so that hindered our ability to travel. Now, back when Jane and Raul announced that they would be getting done in March, again, this was last September, uh, to be truthful with you, uh, we wondered what on earth God was going to do. Uh, We certainly couldn't fulfill our job description and remain here at the office and do all of the different works that are involved in in operating the mission, and so we wondered what God would do. Well, God did things far beyond our expectation. Uh, First of all, a lady by the name of Heidi Mullen had contacted us the year prior and visited us in Fort Lauderdale. Heidi is a woman who has been to Argentina five times with building teams and has spent time in our home in Argentina. And uh, when she came to visit uh, a couple of years ago, she had been uh, laid off of her job of 30 years with Chase Bank. And She determined that she wanted to use her remaining years to serve the Lord and wanted to know if she would be useful in our office. Well, that certainly uh, was a blessing to us because Heidi is overqualified to work in our accounting department here in the U.S. office. And so we contacted Heidi. She didn't know when she might be able to come. And as the Lord would have it, she made two other trips down. To do some orientation and put her house on the market up in New Jersey and her house sold very fast. And we had kind of hoped for her to get here in May, but the truth is she was able to get here far ahead of me. I believe she got here around the eighth or ninth of April, something like that. She's been here about three weeks and So we're blessed by this lady giving her life to the Lord these last years of her life to serve him in this way. She loves the mission, wants to be a part of our ministry. But something else happened that uh, we certainly did not expect prior to this announcement from Jane and Raul. We were with our daughter and son in law up in Pennsylvania. And they uh, mentioned to us that they would someday like to work with us down here in Fort Lauderdale. And after we arrived home and received the news, uh, I said to Debbie, I'm going to take them at their word, and I'm going to call and give them the opportunity. And so I called and spoke to them and invited them to pray about coming to work with us here in Fort Lauderdale. And four days later, they called us back, and they said, uh unless the Lord slams the door here where we're at in this ministry, uh, we just don't have a conviction from him that we should leave. And that was fine, except that two two weeks later, my daughter sent me a message, and she said, is the ministry position still open there? Well, yes, it is. Could we talk to you this afternoon? And they called in the afternoon and shared with us that, circumstances in their ministry up there changed dramatically basically from one day to the next and they took it that God was slamming the door and so they began to correspond with us talk with us and ultimately applied to the mission we accept we accepted them initially as short-term missionaries so that we could receive support for them but they arrive uh, this coming Saturday the 29th And we'll be joining our team here in the U.S. office and attending candidate school uh, in June. And we're just thrilled about what God has done. Of course, the fact that they'll bring our only two grandchildren with them uh, is, is not a bad thing either. We're very happy about that. So, you know, who would have imagined this turn of events here and... Some have said that uh, God must have great plans for GMSA because he's, he's ramping up our team in the U.S. office. And I certainly hope that is, that is going to be the case. And we invite you to pray for Heidi Mullen, who is with us, and for Devin and Katie Raven. Raven, just like the bird. Devin and Katie, uh, who will be here working with us in the coming days. So we have great reason to rejoice. These are great blessings, not just to us here in the U.S. office, but to the entire missionary team because a great part of what happens in this office is to keep our people on the field working and uh, and to provide services for them so that they're not concerned about their business here in the U.S. So thank you for praying for that and uh, for rejoicing with us. We look forward to being back on the road this fall. In fact, Lord willing, uh, in late August, we'll be traveling to the state of Maine to visit several churches there. We have a conference in the Massachusetts area in mid-September. And then, Lord willing, the end of September, we plan to attend our uh, annual council meeting in Northern Ireland. if That is if the UK opens up for us to be able to travel there. Uh, In October, we have three conferences lined up in three Bible colleges. That would be Faith Baptist Bible College, Appalachian Bible College, and Pensacola Christian College. And so we invite you to pray for these travels. We're looking forward to them, Lord willing, November 1 to 4. uh, I should be in Argentina for uh, our our Tri-Country Pastors and Missionary Conference. Now, that's a little bit more iffy. And I wish you would pray concerning that matter. Um, as we think of uh, the fields, let me say that at the at this very moment, the borders of Chile, Argentina, and Uruguay are sealed. If you're not a permanent resident or a citizen, uh, you cannot go to any of these countries, which is a great hindrance to this conference I've mentioned because pastors, the bulk of the pastors would be traveling overland from Chile to Argentina and from Uruguay down to Argentina. But the countries remain closed uh, at the moment. They have been closed for quite some time, though people who are citizens or residents have the ability to leave and reenter. But those of us uh, who are not cannot do so. And that kind of turns my thoughts to the fields a little bit. I would like to share with you a little bit about what's going on in each of the countries. I'd like to begin with the country of Uruguay. Uh, Uruguay was one of the countries least affected by the coronavirus. In fact, they had a very, very low death tally, a very low case count, uh, and they remained considerably open within the borders of Uruguay throughout But several months ago, they had a spike of cases, and they really began to shut down like they had never done before. And so this has been a great challenge to our missionaries who are there in Uruguay, which, by the way, we have three couples in Uruguay right now and one couple on their way there who are transferring over from from Chile to Uruguay. I'll tell you a little bit about that in a few minutes. But I wish you had prayed for the ministry, the church planting ministry in the town of Carmelo, Carmelo is a small town uh, probably around 30,000 people it's on the Uruguay River across from Argentina and we have two couples invested in this ministry that would be the protos and the the Bob valettes Bob and Nadia Viette and uh, the Vallettes arrived there after an extended furlough uh, last summer so they've been there it'll soon be a year's time um, Exciting things are going on in this ministry in the little town of Carmelo. Uruguay is a very difficult country uh, for the gospel. It takes many years to establish a church. But this particular ministry uh, began relatively quickly and has grown relatively fast to a group of about 35, perhaps even 40 people. And God very graciously provided for them to be able to purchase a facility during the pandemic and since they purchased that facility they've by god's provision have had the ability to do repairs on it do some demolition where it needed to be done and they're currently building a multi-purpose room Uh, they were literally bursting at the seams in the small storefront they had rented and now have space to spread out and actually believe it or not in the midst of all of the pandemic they were able to have a vacation bible school uh, earlier this year in the month of february and had a peak group of 27 kids out a great blessing to the ministry there they have also organized the church with membership and again during all that has been going on in the country of uruguay so pray for the ministry in caramelo for the protos and for the valettes Uh, Pray for the growth of the believers in the church. Pray for the ongoing work of the building project. And then uh, there's a couple by the name of Duarte, Sergio Duarte and his wife, Andrea. Sergio is our field director in Uruguay, and the Duartes live down in the capital city of Montevideo. And he's the president of a Bible college there in the city, which is an effort of several missionary agencies and missionaries from a couple of other agencies as well. So uh, this particular Bible college is in about its fifth year. I believe they've had two graduating classes, and it's really a milestone because it's the first time in the history of our knowledge of missions in Uruguay that uh, like-minded, like-faith organizations have come together with the common goal of training men and women for the work of the ministry in the country of Uruguay. In fact, throughout our history is a mission which would be 50 years in Uruguay, uh, GMSA. and And I'm sad to say this, but in, within the borders of the country, we've never produced a pastor. Now we've had folks leave Uruguay and study in other countries and a uh, few of them have come back. Most of them have stayed where they've gone. Uh, but this Bible college uh, in Montevideo is a tremendous answer to prayer and a tremendous blessing. They're 100% online right now because of the lockdowns in Uruguay. And I wish that you would pray for the ministry of this Bible college and pray for the Duartes who are leading this ministry today in the city of montevideo some of you may be familiar with the thompson family Uh, there are many thompsons in gmsa there there are four thompson families Uh, one of them is not related to the rest but the rest are related there's one non-thompson because that would be the daughter of terry and carol thompson who i believe many of you would be familiar with among the thompson's are Danny and Elizabeth Thompson. And Danny and Liz worked for 12 or 13 years in Southern Chile in one of our Bible camps. And they have very recently turned that over to national workers who are very qualified for the ministry there. And in March, they came up to the US for what they hoped would be a three-month furlough. And their plan was to uh, leave for the field in this month of May. And they're transitioning to Paysandu, Uruguay, to uh, rebuild and revamp the camping ministry there in that city. Uh, Please pray for the Thompsons. They're ready to roll, but they're waiting for uh, clearance from the government of Uruguay, a special clearance that will permit them to leave the United States and enter the country down there. So please pray for our Uruguay field. That's a little bit about what's going on in Uruguay. Now Chile, uh, Chile has been a rough a rough field during these these last fourteen or fifteen months. Uh, Chile's long and narrow, as most of you probably would know. It's divided up into regions, and each region has been controlled differently within the context of COVID nineteen. And so sometimes some of our people have had relative freedom, while others have had total lockdown. Uh, they went into total lockdown the entire country again around the 1st of April. It was supposed to be until the 30th of April. Uh, However, they've extended that to the 31st of May. And in some cases, what that means, uh, and it has meant this for a number of our missionaries, that they have no ability to uh, leave their homes unless they have police permission, which must be obtained online. And then they can only do that twice a week. And so the conditions have been very harsh. What it has challenged our people to do is to develop uh, the whole online uh, way of holding church services and having prayer meetings and Bible studies and discipleship groups. And this certainly, though not ideal, as you fully understand, has been a blessing to the ministries there in, 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 in Chile. There has been a partial lifting of some lockdowns, uh, particularly in the north that has given more freedom to those who are up in Antofagasta, the Flinks and the Perrys. Uh, now, speaking of the Flinks and the perries, and that ministry there, that's a nine-year-old church plant. And I wish you would pray for that ministry. They recently ordained a pastor, a young man and his wife, who have begun a family there? They're graduates of our Bible College down in Temuco, and they came up for an internship in Antofagasta, and they have stayed there. And they have uh, taken steps. They took the steps for uh, Andres, is the pastor's name, to be ordained there during all of this shutdown, everything by Zoom. And he's been ordained. And Lord willing, they will be calling him full time to the ministry there and our missionary team will begin to fade and uh, surrender leadership to Pastor Andres. And this is an exciting thing because uh, the Perrys and the Flinks, they're praying about where their next church plant will be, uh, possibly in the city of Antofagasta or possibly in the city of Calama, which is a couple hours away. Uh, So pray for this matter. And as you pray for the Flinks and the Perrys, Pray specifically for the Perrys to be able to get their permanent residency. Uh, All of this pandemic has caused a great delay in these types of endeavors, so please pray for that. I know that many of you have been acquainted with Terry and Carol Thompson, who returned to the field after their retirement from being general director, and they're in the city, uh, well... Angol they're in the city of Angol and frankly they have had no ability to do any kind of concrete outreach there because of the lockdowns for the last 14 months but if you know them you know that they have not sat idly by by any stretch of an imagination by any stretch of the imagination Uh, Terry has been and Carol have been greatly involved in the development and building of the new Bible College just north of Temuco, where their son is. And so Terry wrote me recently that during these harsh lockdowns that they're having right now, they're not able to travel. However, they can travel for medical reasons. And his wife is having treatment for a problem with her shoulder down in Temuco. And so he says, we take advantage of that and we sneak into the Bible college and work for a day or two before going home. Uh, pray, for the, pray for the Bible college that's being built. The Bible, the Bible Institute, uh, this particular Bible Institute, was our first Bible Institute. It was established in the mid-40s. It's been around a long, long time. And the facility they had in the city uh, evolved into a very bad part of town. And one of the buildings was condemned after the 2010 earthquake. And the other building was just simply not worth investing a lot of money in. But the property was worth something. So they sold the property. And long story short, they acquired a beautiful piece of land just north of the city. And God has very generously provided. And they, they've built two homes. They're, they've built the dorm building, which is being finished right now. They, they have resources to uh, build the administrative building. And they're working on a duplex for staff housing, as well as a maintenance building. And, and God has just provided all along the way to the point that next March, when the next school year begins, they plan to be able to be on campus there and out of the rented facility that they've been using. So thank you for praying for Terry and Carol Thompson, their desire to see a, a church established in Angol, and for the work in the Bible Institute. And then finally, I'd like to give you an update on what's going on in Argentina. Uh, our field director, James Morrell, was just in the States with his daughter, uh, helping her getting settled in a Bible camp ministry before starting Bible college in the fall. And uh, James was able to re-enter Argentina, not without a few glitches and difficulties, but he was able to enter nonetheless, nonetheless. Uh, their, their borders, again, they're closed for non-residents and non-citizens. We have the Morels there and we have the Wests there. And both of these couples uh, have been unable to obtain their permanent residency due to what's gone on over the last 14 months. Uh, please pray for them. Like the Perrys, they're anxious to get these things settled. And we would like to see them have their permanent residency. We have a missionary who has been in Argentina for many years. His name is Colby Holmes. And several years ago, a couple of years ago, Colby and his wife Lisa uh, left the greater Buenos Aires area for the city of Bragado, a city of about 50,000 people. And their goal was to see a church established there. And God has marvelously worked not only in Bragado, but in a nearby city, a little bit larger, called Nueve de Julio. And they have groups that have come together in both of these cities. Uh, In both cases, uh, there have been people who, in the absence of a sound Bible-believing church to attend, have simply not gone anywhere, and God made it possible for them to connect with Colby Holmes. And so he's got ministries going on in both of these cities, and they're praying right now that the Lord would guide them to know which city they'll be able to rent a storefront in because they don't have the ability to do it in both cities. So pray for these fledgling ministries in these two cities in Argentina with the Holmes I mentioned the Wests a few years, ago, a few minutes ago. Uh, David and Patty West are in the city of Buenos Aires, and they're heading up our Bible Institute right now, which is 100% online. They have a small group, uh, well, actually not so small for our context, about 20 students that are involved in online uh, courses right now. And then, of course, the Gosens are no strangers to you all. Tim and Christina. Uh, Very soon, within the month, they will be arriving here in Fort Lauderdale for about a seven-month furlough. And I was very encouraged to learn that they have three men in the church that will be taking on the shepherding responsibility in their absence. And it's a great blessing to know that Tim has worked with these men and prepared them for such a ministry as this. As you know, they've been working hard on building a church on building a parsonage, and certainly God has been generous to provide for that, and those projects are moving forward. Um, I appreciate hearing from Tim. During these uh, last months, they've had several people saved. They've had baptisms, and they're working hard to disciple new believers there. And so thank you for supporting the Gosens. Thank you for praying for them. And thank you for patiently listening to all of this. Uh, pastor Matt I don't know where in the world you are but if these folks have a question I'd be happy to entertain that ah sorry anybody have any questions
0: thanks Jansen if you can grab that anybody I know you've just been swamped with information there I'm familiar with all those matters but uh, some of you aren't anybody All right, well. Oh, yes? Yeah, come on up here, Jansen. We'll let uh, let you ask, Becky.
2: Hi, sweet friends. Hello. Oh my, it's so nice to see your faces. Uh, I am interested to know if the restrooms have been completed at the Proto's (laughs) new building. I've been asking Pastor, and he said, "I don't know. I don't know."
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I do not believe they have been finished yet, uh, but they have been working on them. And you know, as you you bring up the the protos, uh, I'm compelled to have my wife share because I'll get some of the facts won't be straight and. I'd like to uh, have her share with you a very recent development uh, in their lives, something that God did that is just incredible in the lives of the protos.
2: Um, You may know that Becky came home for, she just got here a little over a week ago to visit her dad who has, he's in his nineties, I believe, and has dementia. And um, she also needed to get her passport renewed, which expires next weekend and do some other stuff for paperwork and when she got to her dad's in South Carolina I believe it is um, she tried to get an appointment to get an emergency passport and because of COVID was not able to get one um, just her or Mariano were calling every day and finally just gave up and she was going to have to she said I'm, I'm going to Mailed it in tomorrow, and the quickest they say I can get it back is in four to six weeks. So she was gonna postpone her trip back, which was scheduled for June 4th, and just very disappointed, not have expecting to be away from her family all that time. And anyway, she's kind of upset, but anyway, the next morning, um, I, we had just been praying that I don't know, it, somehow she would get it back a lot sooner than she expected. Um, the next morning, got a uh, she forwarded me a message that uh, Mariano shared with his church family about how he called one more time that morning. I think it was Friday morning, and uh, he said, "I'm I'm, call- I'm calling to a call center where hundreds of people are answering the phone, thousands of people are calling in to try to get passports renewed or done." And he said, "I got a hold of a lady answered my call. Her name was Leticia." And I explained the situation, and before I got done, she said, well, I believe um, I took your call yesterday, and um, I remember your case, and I was able to get your wife um, into the system, and she has an appointment for June 2nd. And so Mariana just shared with her how this was a miracle of God, that uh, what were the chances of him getting her twice and was able to talk to her about the Lord somewhat. She ended up breaking down and crying and asking prayer for her family. So anyway, it's just just another case of, you know, as far as we were concerned and they were concerned, it was about the passport. God had other things in mind besides just doing that miracle for Becky and Mariano. So Mm -hmm. we praise the Lord with them. Thank you, Debbie. These are some of the real-time things that we become
1: aware of sometimes on a weekly, sometimes on a daily basis. And Hear of what God is doing in the lives of our missionaries. You all still with us?
0: Yes. Oh, is oh. my maybe my uh computer has gone to sleep or the battery has died or something. Okay,
1: as long as I know you're there.
0: We're yeah, here. we're we're here. Uh my computer that's showing the auditorium says an unknown error has occurred. That's very okay. helpful, isn't it?
2: We see yeah. those often. Those yeah, <laughs>
1: Well thank thank you very much for your patience in listening and uh and you know again I can't see you so I don't know if there were was another question but I know that time is fleeting away and uh you certainly have been very patient uh there are not many places where we can give the load of information that that we gave you tonight and we're very very much aware of the fact that uh that you have been listening and trust that uh, as we turn our thoughts to God's word for a few minutes that uh, that might be an encouragement to you this evening. So could I invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 121? Psalm 121. And let me take a moment just to read the psalm to you. Uh, Psalm 121, eight verses, just a short psalm. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil and shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Heavenly Father, as we digress from a lot of information given in a report and turn our thoughts towards scripture we are abundantly aware of one very simple fact, and that is that without the spirit of God intervening, nothing will be accomplished in the next moments. And so Lord, we pray that he might have freedom to use his servant and might have freedom uh, to speak to the hearts of each one who is within, uh, within the sound of my voice. We need your wisdom. And Lord, we pray that you would give it abundantly in these moments, that you would encourage us as a body through this very simple and short song, and we'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you may be familiar with Psalm 121. You may have even read it recently. You may recall a time when the reading of Psalm 121 and its meditation has been a blessing to you in your life. It is among those songs that are known as songs of ascent that were sung by pilgrims as they traveled from wherever they were up to the city of Jerusalem, some 2,700 feet in elevation for the Feasts of Israel, and that was done as many as three times a year. In Psalm 121 is specifically comes from what is known as the Great Hallel. Uh, the Great Hallel was was like a hymn book, and it was sung during times of great joy. Sung specifically for the Passover, and Hallel itself means praise, or it means to make shine, or to bright upon uh, the Hallel is a hymn book, was a hymn book of praises to the Lord. It's interesting and worth mentioning that a word we, we probably don't use that often, uh, at least in this form, the word hallelujah, is made up of the word hallel, which means to praise, and the word "Jah," which is a shortened version of Jehovah, and that's where our phrase praise the Lord comes from. And now that's probably a phrase you use more often than hallelujah, but they really mean the same thing. After the Last Supper, Matthew 26, 30 tells us uh, that when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And I might suggest to you tonight that it's very likely that they sang from the great Hallel and probably sang Psalm 121. And you can probably imagine with me that uh, the words of Psalm 121 were of great comfort to our Lord Jesus Christ in that dark hour prior to the cross. In these short eight verses, there is a key Hebrew word that appears six times, and it's translated, at least in the King James, is translated by two English words, And those two words are the words keep and the word preserve. It simply means to guard or to keep safe or to protect. It means to watch over. It has a sense of caring uh, for someone or caring for something and, and gives the idea that that care is a great and diligent care. It describes the shepherds who watched over their flocks, or it could describe the building of a hedge of thorns around something with the purpose of protecting it it's interesting that in genesis 2:15 god put adam the bible says in the garden of eden to dress it and to keep it and there's our word he was to exercise great and tremendous care over the garden of eden and then in genesis 3:24 after adam and eve had been expelled from the garden God placed cherubim, and the Bible says, in a flaming sword which turned every way, and here comes our word, to keep the way of the tree of life. And so it describes the careful attention to be paid to the covenants and the laws of God. It describes the spirit behind every act of obedience. And it's the same word repeated six times in Psalm 121 to identify Our God is our protector. Another key Hebrew word is the title of our Lord, the very word Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, our Lord Jehovah. appears five times. So when you think of, of God as our keeper and our preserver, and when you think of the use of the word Jehovah in the text, I would suggest to you tonight that he, the Lord, is the main person in the text and his protection is the main theme. Beloved, we have no greater keeper. That's the Lord we know and serve. And in this particular context, it speaks of God's careful protection of those who travel to Jerusalem three times a year to attend the prescribed feasts. And I know that it's not always easy for us to imagine what their situation might have been like. It's not easy to transport ourselves back in time and, and, and understand their circumstances. But these were people who traveled long days, and they traveled through deserts, and they traveled through valleys, and they suffered the rigors of extreme heat by day and cold by night. Uh, they were through valleys and up ravines and on narrow trails. There were predators, and predators could be animal and predators could be human. They ran the risk if there were rains of dangerous flash flooding. And imagine, uh, without any modern convenience, camp had to be set up every night and had to be torn down every morning. And all of their provisions from the beginning to the end of their journey had to be carried along with them. They had to cook their food. They had to tend their children. They had to tend their animals. There could be sickness, and there was. There could be accidents, and there were. There could even be death along the journey, and certainly this would have taken place from time to time. Traveling to Jer- Jerusalem was no uh, pleasure ride. Traveling to Jerusalem for the feasts, as a matter of fact, required a tremendous commitment to perseverance that would be rooted in in unwavering dependence upon God. But you know, the difficulty of that trip did not cancel the joy and anticipation of being in God's presence. And so they sang this and other psalms and they rejoiced in his protection even as they journeyed on. And what a tremendous testimony to us in our lives because, you know, these things are analogous of our own lives, our own life of faith, and our own need for unwavering dependence upon our God. We know that the journey of life can be rigorous. We know that it can be difficult, but not even death can remove us from his care, and not even, uh, well, I suppose death wouldn't anyway, but regardless of circumstances that we would face in, they li- in this life, they shouldn't rob us of our joy. We have a reason to sing because we have a great keeper, and there is no greater keeper. I wonder how many on these long journeys turn back because of the rigors of the journey, forgetting the care of their keeper, focusing on the cares of their life. And I might ask you the question tonight, are there things happening in your life that make you wonder if you're going to be able to stay the course? Have you been tempted to doubt that God is carefully guarding you? Have you been tempted during recent months? Have there been circumstances and situations in your life in recent days or perhaps prolonged throughout uh, these last months or perhaps even years that are weighing heavy on you and you've wondered, does he really care? Psalm 121 drives home the fact that we have a keeper. We have a faithful keeper And, beloved, there is no greater keeper than he. And I'd like to just mention three things about our faithful keeper to you tonight. First of all, let me say that he is present to keep you. Our Heavenly Father is not an absent father. He's there. Verses 1 and 2 tell us, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. I wonder how many of you have ever said, I can't take another step. I can't spend another hour in this car. I can't spend another moment on this plane. Have you ever felt desperate to find a hotel? Ever felt desperate to deplane? Can we imagine the conditions of travel in Bible times or the range of feelings throughout the camp as as their journey lingered on? Can we imagine the exhaustion? Can we imagine times of fear, times of irritation, tension, and anxiety? It's not hard to picture the psalmist coming to the end of himself and lifting up his eyes under the hills, no doubt toward Jerusalem, the place of God's presence, And crying out, from whence cometh my help? Where's the help I need? Maybe for some reason you're stressed even tonight. Maybe you're desperate or afraid. Maybe you see no solution in the near future, no relief. Maybe you wonder how you can take much more. And you're asking, Lord, where is the help that I need? I believe that verse 1, when the... Psalmist says, I lift up mine eyes under the hills. When he says, from whence cometh my help, I believe it's a question, not a statement. If you have the ESV in your hand, you probably see it written as a question. And I believe it was a question. I believe it was a, it was a time of questioning, the moment of questioning in his life. I believe that it was the cry of a desperate man tempted to doubt the care of his keeper. And I believe that verse 2 my help cometh from the Lord was a self-rebuke and a reminder that help was not found in a place, but in a person. He said, my help cometh from the Lord. He didn't say my help comes from Jerusalem. My help cometh from the Lord. My help cometh from the self-existent, self-sustaining, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient creator God. Psalm 46, 1 and 2 say, God, God is our refuge and strength of very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear? This is the God who said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Beloved, don't be defeated by what you're going through. The Lord, your keeper, is present to guard you. Hebrews four fifteen and 16 say, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Listen, let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He's present to guard you. He's present to keep you secondly we learn from the psalm that he is powerful to keep you not only present but powerful is proven by his creativeness notice what the second part of verse two says it says he's it says that he's the lord which made heaven and earth so whatever you're going through today no matter how powerful it may seem to you beloved he's all-powerful Your circumstances may be beyond your ability to resolve, but they're not beyond his ability. Your strength may be depleted, but his strength is never depleted because he's all-powerful. And Ephesians 3.20 tells us that he's, he's able to do exceedingly, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And Paul prayed for the Ephesians that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. Listen, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ Jesus. When he raised him from the dead and set him at his right hand in heavenly places. That's the power that he makes available to us. I am weak, but he's all powerful. I cannot take care of myself, but I have a keeper. And I have the promise of 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. He's powerful to keep you, not only proven by his creativeness, but by his proactiveness. In verse 3, the Bible says, He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. God took the initiative and he made every provision for you and for me to persevere in steadfastness. He has already intervened on our behalf. Therefore he will not suffer our foot to be mowed. There are a couple of key words, Hebrew words the text is translated from one means to put something in or on a particular place And the other means to waver or to totter until failing or falling rather. rather. When he saved us, he put us solidly in place so that we would not totter or fall. And so much so that my spiritual failure can never be traced back to God's absence or his incompetence or his inability, or his indifference. Absolutely impossible. He's made every provision. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. Second Peter 1, 3, and 4 say that according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us unto glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. He's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, so that we, beloved, are without excuse. He's powerful to keep us, not only proven by his creativeness and his proactiveness, but also by his tirelessness. The Bible says in the second part of verse 3 and verse 4, It says, he that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither sleep, pardon me, shall neither slumber nor sleep. Isn't it a blessing to know that God never gets drowsy? You know, they say that the only thing that a man needs in order to sleep is a recliner and a television set. But our God is never drowsy. He's never tired. He never nods off. That's what it means to slumber. He's never out cold. That's what it means to sleep. He'll never fall asleep. He'll never miss anything. He's tireless. The psalmist was contrasting God with useless idols and false gods, like we read about in Psalm 115 in these verses 2 through 9, where it says, Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he pleased. Their idols are silver and gold, the works of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. They have eyes, but eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them, so is everyone that trusts in them. O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. And so he's powerful to keep you. He's never tired. He never nods off. He never falls asleep. Beloved, he's not only present, and he's not only powerful to keep you, but let me say finally that he has promised to keep you. Notice the repetition of the word shall in verses 6 through 8. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Let me say that he promises to keep you now. There's a statement of fact in verse 5, and it says, The Lord is thy keeper. That's a fact. That's a statement of fact. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. That's a fact. Simple statements of fact regarding God's presence, who like a shadow is inescapable, is always there with us. Now the promise that accompanies the fact the sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. What does the sun do? The sun burns and the sun dehydrates. What does a full moon do? Well a full moon would indicate a cold and frigid night. To smite is to deal is to deal a debilitating blow. It's the death blow, so to speak. And as these travel all day and all night. The point is they could count on God's protection. And then there's another promise. The the Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming forth and thy coming in from this time forth. That's the here and now. That's this life. That's the immediate future. And that's the promise of his protection in all things and all the comings and goings of our life. So what's going on in your life? Well, let me say that it does not escape his sight and his immediate protection. You can count on his protection even today. Psalm 3419 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. And so he promises to keep you now. But he promises to keep you for eternity. And again, I mentioned that statement of fact that I that I said from verse 5 that says, The Lord is thy keeper. And then there are these promises that follow in verses 7 and 8. The Lord shall preserve thee from from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. What does it mean that he shall preserve thee from all evil? Well, let's be honest. It doesn't mean you'll never sin, but you're free from sin's dominion. And you're free from the the damning consequences of sin. It doesn't mean you'll never suffer reproach or persecution. It doesn't mean you'll never suffer injustices for Christ. But they're powerless in and of themselves to turn your heart away. It doesn't mean you won't be attacked and tempted by Satan. But it does mean that you cannot perish by them. Because your salvation has been secured for eternity. Beloved, the Lord has preserved us from every dark purpose of Calvary. I'm sorry, at Calvary, from every dark purpose of hell at Calvary. He's preserved us. He shall preserve thy soul. These words will be familiar to you. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them also he called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Our Lord, he shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth, listen, and even forevermore. That's his eternal protection. We have a keeper. The afflictions, the difficulties, and the uncertainties of life, do you know what they should be doing? They shouldn't be sending us into a tailspin of desperation and fear. They should be nurturing our longing for heaven. In the face of trial and persecution, Paul said, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. Paul understood eternal protection. And right now, where you're at and where we're at, He's guarding us. He's keeping us. And he'll guard us and keep us right into eternity. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever's happening in your life, whatever your concerns are and your fears, be comforted to know that if you know the Savior, you have no greater keeper. He's present, he's powerful, and he's promised to keep you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words of this short psalm and all that they mean to us as believers in Christ. We're so comforted by the applications that we draw from it. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would give us the grace to be able to consider the things that cause us to worry the things that afflict us, the things that bring fear to our hearts. And help us to consider them in the light of this song. Lord, we thank you that you're not an absent father. Thank you for being present. Thank you for being powerful. And Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for this time of encounter together around your word. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Tom, we're going to, uh, I'll just share a little thought with you, and then we will uh, have a closing hymn, and then we'll be done with our service tonight. We want to thank you so much for sharing that with us. We are grateful to know about our our preserver, our life preserver, as it is, uh, as, as you said. Um, we have, I think, uh, a number of folks who are especially helped by your message tonight. We have two of our Uh, dear ladies who have been recently diagnosed with cancer and uh, going through treatment or about to go through treatment. In fact, one has a big surgery this Wednesday. Um, One of them, as well as six others in our church family, have lost loved ones in the recent months due to various things. And um, I don't know what else what other bad news I can share with you, but uh, those are the kinds of things that our folks are going through, and so that message is very, very helpful. We thank you for that, and uh, very timely. So God bless you for that, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Jansen, would you mind to say a closing prayer for us? Yes. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank you this evening
3: for the wonderful and tremendous opportunity to have the technology to connect ourselves with The Gibbons, Lord, we thank you for Brother Tom and Sister Debbie and their ministry down there at the headquarters in Florida, in Fort Lauderdale. Lord, we thank you for the many blessings and words of thanksgiving that they shared with us about how you are working even there in the office in the past few months, directing over the course of time now, the past weeks and months, your perfect plan for that ministry there and and those who will assist in that plan of yours. Lord, we pray for the missionaries who have been mentioned this evening, each one of them who uh, we have connections with and we have been praying for. May your face shine upon them. May your mighty hand guide them and those who are being ministered to as well. Lord, we thank you for the promises from Psalm 121 that you will keep us, you will help us, you are our protector. And, Lord, we take much solace and comfort and peace in that wonderful and everlasting promise to us. Lord, may you bless those as they go this evening on their way. We thank you, Lord, for those who are online listening as well. pray that you would bless them as well. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Tom, so good to see you and Debbie today. look forward to seeing you in person, God willing, in... Uh, just a few weeks really uh, down yeah. in, in uh, Fort Lauderdale for uh, our meetings there. And uh, we asked the church to pray for those meetings and for our travels and uh, several folks from South America. I don't, I don't know how they're going to make it uh, through those borders and back again, but they're going to try. So we're, uh, we're looking forward to seeing those field directors too from, from yes. South America. So God bless you both. Thank you so much. You. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye now. Have a good night. You too. Thank you.